0: Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the podcast just a short message before we get started and that is in this crazy time of social distancing and self quarantine and all this and we can't control what kind of rules are being made what kind of safety guidelines that we have to fall under to stay safe and healthy and happy because it's tough right it's tough on all of us but it's necessary sometimes so. In this time, let's do what we can and let's focus on what we can control and that is how we support our local businesses, brands, and people doing things that we believe in. Tag them, comment, blast out on social media the businesses, brands, and people that you support and like what they're doing. It would really mean a lot to all of them. So let's do that and let's come out of this thing better than ever. Okay, now that I've gone on that little rant, here we go on to the episode with Mike Bing. He just rode from San Francisco to San Diego, 550 miles, I believe, in five days. It's a cool story. It's a neat mindset. I really enjoy talking to Mike. He's just hes just a cool dude all the way around. There's nothing that he can't do. He, Like he says in the podcast, watch me. So anyway... I, I won't give any more of the podcast away. Mike tells the story way better about this bike ride and his mindset, and you'll find out why this one's called Expanding Your Normal. So without any further delay, enjoy Mike Bing. What's up, Mike?
1: Not too much, man. Not too much. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. I am doing great. So let's just get right into it. I want to know about this Extremely long bike ride solo. <laughs> All
1: right, so um, let's see. I guess I kind of got bit by a little bit of a bug in the fall last year and started watching these videos and talking to people about the idea of bike packing, which, legit, bike packing is when you have saddlebags and your bicycle and you're out in the middle of nowhere you know, any country really, but even you know, you're in the States, you could be way out in the middle of nowhere in Colorado, biking multiple days at a time and you have no support and you're camping and like you are you are carrying everything that you need, including tent, sleeping bag, cooking supplies, food, all this stuff. And it just seems like a crazy adventure. Um, the last couple of years, I've done this race in Park City. It's a mountain bike race called Point to Point. It is 75 miles and about 12,000 feet of climbing, so it's a big, it's a big ride. Whoa! And I've done it a couple. <laughs> yeah, it's nuts. Um, I've done it a couple of years in a row, and definitely am not in any sort of position where I'm winning that race. But over the two years that I did it, I got significantly better and felt comfortable with it. And it was kind of like, all right, you know, what's my next, you know, I'm planning to do that race again next year, or this year, but really I was like, what's my next challenge? You know, what can I throw my body? Because I just love, honestly, I just love seeing what I'm capable of. And as humans, we're just capable of so much more stuff than we realize. And we just put ourselves in such a box. So I'm constantly looking for, like, how can I stretch my normal? And that's kind of like been a big thing I'm, I'm thinking on it's kind of redefining my normal and you know when I started biking seriously honestly just a couple years ago a two-hour bike ride is long and I think for most people a two-hour bike ride is long but I've spent more and more time around um, around people that bike a lot and that race professionally and all of a sudden, two hours isn't that long, like two hours could be a recovery day, and I spend enough time around these people, and I'm like, wow, I can do a lot more, and so it's kind of fun to stretch that normal, so anyway, getting back to this trip, bikepacking kind of seemed like a crazy idea, and it seemed like the next way that I could push myself and expand my normal and expand what I thought was, you know, what I thought I was capable of, and Bike packing typically is I would say the shortest bike packing trip would be about three days three to five days some people go for 30day bike packing trips you know if you're in Australia and you're gonna go from one side to the other like it could be this huge expedition or it could be a short two to three day thing and so I'm kind of trying to figure out you know where does that fit in my schedule how much time do I have and I figure I've probably don't want to jump straight into it and do some 30-day crazy trip. And so something like five to seven days is what I was looking for. And then the more I had hard to heart conversations with myself, the more I had to admit that I love biking and I, I enjoy camping, but whenever I'm doing huge bike rides, camping it's hard to do. It's kind of like you can do one or the other. You know, if I'm going to bike 50 miles a day or if I'm going to bike six hours a day, I could camp also, and that would be fine. But the trip that I decided on doing, I was going to be on the bike for eight or nine hours a day. And so I was like, the last thing I really want to do is lie on the ground and sleep outside after that. Which, as I'm talking through all this, I'm immediately thinking like, well, it's it has to be my next challenge. Now so I'm definitely going to be doing it soon. But initially, one of my friends called this uh, credit card camping. So my plan was I was just going to stay in Airbnbs, motels. Um, there's this sweet website that a buddy introduced me to called Couchsurfing.com. You can you literally stay at people's houses for free. It is Airbnb. But you're not guaranteed anything. Like you might be sleeping on an air mattress, you might be literally sleeping on the couch. Um and you just set up, you know, you reach out to these people just like Airbnb, tell them who you are, what you're up to. And What? So I did that a couple nights. Yeah. That, stayed.
0: That's not sketchy at anything. all.
1: Um, well, it's a pretty well set up site. It's it could be sketchy, but it's kind of up to you. You choose who you're gonna stay with. They have a bio, they have, I believe, background checks. Don't quote me on that. I think they have a background check done. And you I mean you pick who you're gonna stay with. You know, it's it's not like some lottery thing where you just show up and you have no idea what you're in for. Um so that's, it was a little sketchy.
0: That's effort, awesome though. Did you did you have any nerves about doing that part? Like staying in like sleeping on the couches of people's houses?
1: Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> Most <laughs> certainly. Um, but yeah, I kind of My worries, you know, it's like it's going to be fine. And what's amazing, I'm kind of skipping ahead, but since we're on the subject, what's amazing is this guy that I stayed with was actually hosting another cyclist as well that night, and this man gets up. Actually, the evening that I arrived, he cooked us a huge three-course dinner. This is free, by the way. I didn't pay for anything. Honestly, all I was expecting was the crash on a couch. This guy had a bedroom set up for me, clean sheets. He had towels. He cooked us a three-course dinner. And then he got up in the morning and cooked us a huge, amazing breakfast. Like, massive breakfast because he knew what we were in for riding-wise on the bike. And he was awesome. He was very respectful of space. So, like, I had just biked the entire day, and, you know, it's tough. He's hosting you, so you kind of want to hang around and talk with him and and be a good guest. And so I did that for dinner for a couple hours, but then around 9 o'clock, you know, I was kind of ready to check out and and go to bed, and he was totally cool with that. He was like, hey, don't stay up for me. It's great having you. Do whatever you need to do. So I got to go to bed. And – It was just insane. Like, this guy was so generous and so giving of his time and of his home. And he was like, yeah, i just like to meet people. And I was like, well, this is amazing. So it was honestly one of the coolest. Like, that was one of the highlights of the trip, for sure. And so now I follow this guy on Instagram, and he follows me, and he, like, checks in on me, and he's just a really cool dude. So Dude, that worked out
0: nicely. I love that. And That's such I, an awesome story. That's so amazing. It, right? like, what a cool way to get to know people. Like, to it really is. Yeah, yeah. That, and I I'm,
1: think. Uh, go ahead. I think ideally that website is set up to be something where you're you know, here in Park City where I live, if someone wants to come ski, I could let them crash on the couch for a few days, and they can ski. But then. We might go to dinner and I'll show them around town. And I think it's meant to be more of a, you're kind of a, a host and you get to show them around and you get to know them type thing. And I was kind of doing this like show up, crash, get up, leave thing. <laughs> so I actually found out during this trip that there's another website. I haven't checked it out. I think it's called hotshowers.com and it's actually built for cyclists. And it's built for exactly what I just did. And it's literally like you were just looking for a place to have a shower and crash and then get up and leave. So now there's no real expectation that you're going to hang around and socialize and do those kinds of things. And so next trip, if I'm not camping, I'll definitely check that site out. But that's a little more geared toward what I was doing. I didn't know about that, but it was insane. Um, Yeah, so my trip. Who I oh, I was reading a blog actually in January, I believe. And it was a blog of a local bike shop that's here in Park City. And they had talked about how they did this trip biking the Pacific Coast Highway. And they talked about that of the challenge, it's a really big ride, pretty windy, but amazing views and just a really cool experience, really cool scenery. And I was like, hey, that sounds fun. That sounds like something I could do. And it sounds like you're going to be going through a lot of towns, so I could do the whole credit card camping thing, and it would be all right. And scoped it out, reached out to a few friends. I kind of wanted – I mean, I definitely wanted to have a, a friend or two with me, but I wasn't stressed that no one could make it. And I kind of realized now I'm still relatively young. I'm single don't have kids, my schedule's pretty flexible, and so I can just do things like this on a whim. And I don't have many friends who, A, can do the same, and then B, can bike as much as I can. So that severely limited the number of people <laughs> that can come on this <laughs> trip with me. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up doing it, <laughs> yeah, I ended up doing it solo. Um, so maybe if I plan a little further ahead next time, I could give some friends a chance to join me, but it was literally like reached out to a buddy and I was like, hey, what are you doing like in two weeks? I will fly you to San Francisco and rent you a bike if you'll do this ride with me. And he was just like, dude, I can't do that. He's married and has kids. And I was like, okay, I guess I understand. So that's me being a bad friend, I guess. But I should I plan further ahead.
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's a bad friend. I would love to like, I would love to always have the offer. I may not be able to make it. But in my mind, I'd be like, man. I wish I could or I might ask see if it's possible I might like contemplate it and see if I can't work it in my schedule or something but that's a pretty epic trip dude so it's one of those where you're like how many times are you going to get to do something like this
1: That's kind of what I think and I kind of think that every day I keep looking for things like this because and that's honestly why I took the job that I have originally because I took this job right after I turned 26 And I, you know, this is referring back to an old story, but I actually applied for this job while I had another job offer. So I turned down a job offer to apply for this job, which is so sketchy. But I was like, there's no other time in my life that I'm going to have an opportunity to travel the world or to do crazy things like this. And because I want to get married someday and I want to have kids and I'm excited about that idea. And I recognize that it's just once you do commit your life to someone, it's a totally different reality. And I'm not in that place right now because I don't have a wife or even a girlfriend. But, you know, for the time being, I'm like, I should probably make the most of this chapter of my life so that when I do settle down, I'll be like, man. I just did all this crazy stuff,
0: and that was great. You, you so, know what? To... I actually had this conversation. You talk about your old job, and what you just said is like right aligned with what I told. My daughter was driving. I said, I'm going to have this guy, Mike, on the podcast. He's been on before. Uh, he works for Team USA Ski and Snowboard. And she's like, whoa, how did you do that? And how does he get that job coming from College Station? And I was like, that's just it. He's the type of guy that if you told him, like – you can never get that job. He'd be like, Why not? That's like saying you'll never get the garbage truck delivery job because too many people apply. Like, why can't I get that job?
1: Exactly. And he, I think I wouldn't, I don't even say why not to someone. I say, Watch this. Like, that's <laughs> one of my favorite things to say. And I started, yes. it's funny, I started saying that as a 16 year old, but I remember vividly. Back when I started lifting regularly on my own, as a 16-year-old, my best friend at the time, and I lifted together five days a week, and that was, like, my kind of mantra. Like, when we were training, and if there was any hesitation on whether or not I could do something, that was, like, my mantra. I be like, watch this. And it kind of got me me hyped, but it was like, I'm going to prove, you know, it's not like I'm trying to live my life to prove people wrong, but I think I want people to recognize that, we are capable of so much more. And so when people try to put that governor on you, I just, I get such a thrill out of doing things that people think you shouldn't be able to do or think is like totally crazy. And I'm like, it's not as crazy as you think because I'm gonna go do it. And I just love, love doing that. And So that's like part of what drove me in this, in this whole California coastline trip is I've done a handful of century rides now, so like 100-mile, 100 100-plus-mile 100 bike rides. But this trip was going to require me to do five of those five days in a row. And I was like, huh, well, I've never done that, so I'm interested to see. And one of my friends was like, well, what do you think is, like, what would stop you? And I'm like, I don't know. I might just get really tired. Like, I have no idea. It just sounds crazy. And so I did it. And unfortunately, I didn't do five centuries in a row because day four, I had a wonderful offer from a friend of mine to stay at their condo in Santa Barbara. So I actually only biked like 90 miles. So that was my short day.
0: Oh my gosh. But what a... where... That place is awesome, though.
1: It's so nice. So nice. But then that meant my ride into San Diego, I had like 120 five miles on my last day which was kind of a lot but it obviously worked out so it's
0: fine you made it happen that's crazy when you say when you say like that you rode the the you know you rode for five days straight um that you know for so many hours a day eight hours a day or whatever it was that just that doesn't sound nearly as daunting as five century miles in five days
1: it's kind of insane, and it's fun now to go look at a map and kind of map out the ride because it started in San Francisco. I, so here's kind of here's what I did. This is I don't know if it was well planned out. I was like, how am I going to get back? I didn't know how I was going to do anything. I planned everything pretty last second, honestly. And the best plan that I came up with was put my my original thought. I have disc brakes on my uh, road bike. And if I got all the way to San Francisco, so if I flew to San Francisco with my bike and somehow my brakes got messed up and, or they, you know, when I flew with the bike, if anything got messed up, that would ruin the entire trip because it was a very, like I left work and then went straight to California and then did this whole thing and then went right back to work. And so it was like, I had a small window to make it happen. And if anything threw a wrench in that, it was going to just crush the plan. So I didn't really trust flying with my bike, so I drove my car with my bike in one day, obviously, to San Francisco from Park City. It was about 12 hours. And then parked that night at the San Francisco airport, hopped on my bike, rode my bike to an Airbnb, and arrived at like 9.30 at night. And woke up the next day, hopped on my bike, and started. Like Forrest Gump style, just took off. And then... Once I got to San Diego, I hopped on a 6 a.m. flight. Actually, when I got to San Diego, I rode straight to a bike shop. And I was like, hey, I just uh, rode here from San Francisco. I just need you guys to pack this bike up and ship it back to Utah. And they're like, okay, cool. And then I took an Uber to my buddy's house, spent the night, hopped on a 6 a.m. flight back to San Francisco where my car was, Ubered to my car, and then drove all the way back to Utah all in one, like, 18-hour day. <laughs> so that was kind of a brutal end to the whole trip. It was, like, a very long travel day. But I think it worked out fairly well. And my flight San Diego to San Francisco was, like, 100 bucks. And three of the five nights I stayed somewhere for free. And then the Airbnb and motel I stayed in were pretty cheap. So it was actually a pretty cheap
0: all around. That's awesome. It's well worth it. And and so what did you see along like along the show? Okay, so when I'm following you on Instagram, I don't have any idea what you're doing because I guess I got in late and I see <laughs> I see a post on there that says, Well, I shouldn't have gone down this road. It's a one-lane road or a like a snow shoulder road or something. Oh yeah. And then like I yeah. look a little far and it's like he's still riding his bike. And then a little, you know, a few days later like a day later that dude's still riding his bike. Like, what's he doing? And then I figured out at the end, like, whoa. So you had to have seen some really cool stuff on this trip and had some really, like, because, so I had a guy on the podcast that uh, ran from College Station to Las Vegas. So he ran a marathon a day until he got to Las Vegas. And, wow. Yeah. yeah
1: that is that is far above what I just did. That's <laughs>
0: Right, keep going. Well, I mean, he he didn't go, like, blistering speeds. He didn't have any sort of time. I mean, he just had to make it the 25 miles a day, which is still amazing that you went that far. But, like, he got to see all sorts of, you know, interesting stuff because when you go that far through that many places and people traveling, you get, and that slow, you get to see all sorts of different things from a different perspective. So I'm curious to know what you saw on this bike ride from San Francisco to San Diego.
1: Well, it's really good point that you bring up, though. About you see so many things when you're going that slow, and that's like it's amazing. It's probably a meme. I'm not gonna lie, or maybe it's a sign. I saw something not on this ride, but I've seen something before that talked about how if you really want to get to know an area or a town or village, uh, you bike it. And so it's like to me, it's biking is a great mix of going slow enough, you can see things, but you're going fast enough that you're not staring at the same thing all day. And I was jokingly, I was talking to a friend last night who's a runner and a hiker, and we were jokingly arguing about hiking versus mountain biking. And I was like, hiking is too slow. Like I, I don't want to stare at the same thing for an hour. I would rather see it for 10 minutes and then see something else. And we were kind of arguing about that. And That's what's fun with biking is I did get to see, and I covered 550 miles in five days, and so I got to see so much stuff, but I was only going, like, 17 miles an hour, so I was, you know, had plenty of time to look around and see things, but I think mostly there were, like, two major neighborhoods of California that I went through, and one was Big Sur, and that was the mountain stage, that was day two for the most part, And that was insane, and it was kind of, this was maybe the hardest part of the whole ride. Right, so the first day, I biked like 115 miles, I think, and I was like, wow, I am curious to know how I'm gonna feel tomorrow, (laughs) so the next day I hop on the bike, and I'm like 15 miles in, and it's been almost an hour, and I'm entering Big Sur, I think, I don't want to misspeak. I think it's a national park, Big Sur National Park. Uh, it's definitely, it's just this huge wilderness area. And essentially once you enter on the Pacific Coast Highway, there's no way out unless you turn around and backtrack or you get all the way through. And so I'm about an hour into day two and I'm passing the sign that tells me I'm entering Big Sur. And it's like, it says something like next 75 miles hills and mountains and steep curves or sharp curves and I was just like oh man and that was that was my you know make it or break it take it or leave it kind of moment where I'm like well I could turn around and go back to San Francisco but really it's like if I do this I am committed like I have to do it there's no way I can get out of it and Ah, there was definitely a moment where I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for this because my legs are kind of heavy and 75 miles is a long way. It's a lot of climbing and the roads are not in great condition and sketchy shoulders and sketchy traffic, but I did it and that's what was fun. But Big, so I entered Big Sur and the whole thing is just rolling hills and cliffs You're right on the ocean the entire time. Forest to your left, ocean to your right. It is amazing, and it's so beautiful. And I was crawling because it's pretty steep, and I'm carrying all my stuff. I did not make good time at all. And so that was, like, the entire day, two, and then that was part of day three as well of, like, everything you think of when you think of San Francisco and that whole area of everything is green but also a little bit cloudy and mountains, and cliffs, and ocean, and it was amazing. And then the second chapter, or neighborhood, was basically, where did I get to? Once you get out of Big Sur, and I'm making my way down to Santa Barbara, I stopped in Malibu on that fourth day, I think, and had lunch in Malibu, and that's when everything shifted to you're out of a National Forest, and now you are at the beginning. And so that fourth day was the only day out of the five. that was like the exact day I was kind of visualizing when I was thinking about this trip. So it was sunny and calm and it was warm. And I was riding right next to the beach and I was on a bike path and it was smooth. And it was like, this is amazing. And it was like 15% of my entire ride, but it was so good. And it was kind of fun. Like I, it's ironic when I looked this route up, um, everybody said, you need to go north to south, and you're going to have a tailwind the entire way. And then it was so ominous when I get there night of, I'm talking to the Airbnb host, and she's like, yeah, it hasn't rained in a month, but it's supposed to rain in the next few days, and all the winds have shifted. And I'm like, what? What would that? <laughs> so I go look it up, <laughs> and i have got a headwind. The first three days, I have like a 10 to 15 mile an hour headwind the entire time. And I don't know if you've done a lot of biking, but when you're biking into a consistent headwind, it just kind of sucks the life out of you. And so that's just yet another factor that when I'm entering that second day, and it's like 75 miles, and I'm like, ugh, I don't know about this. and But then that fourth day, when the sun came out and the wind stopped blowing, I actually got a tailwind for a hot minute. It was amazing, but those are the two main neighborhoods, like ocean, ocean views the whole time. The first one, you're at Forest, which was so beautiful, so beautiful, and then second one was straight beach, like Malibu, Santa Barbara, that whole scene. I like rode right by Muscle Beach on the bike path on the beach. It was pretty fun.
0: That's pretty cool. And that's pretty neat that you rode this trip like right through that area. I've I've been down there once, and that is a that's a nuts area. So that was pretty. That'd be pretty cool. Like because you're in like I guess you're all by yourself pretty much for the most part. Then all of a sudden you get there and there's people
1: everywhere. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was funny. It reminds me. Have you seen what is Alec honold's movie? I can't think of the title. The oh. documentary.
0: Dang, I can't remember the title either, but I love that movie. He's one of my... Dude, that guy's awesome.
1: He is insane. Um, but it reminds me... I don't remember if it was in the documentary or if it was in his book. His book is called Alone on the Wall. And I've read his book, and in his book he talks about how he climbed, it might have been El he climbed in some insane space. Obviously, free solo... Oh, it's called Free Solo.
0: Yeah, free solo. Um, But he
1: climbed the whole face by himself. No one had any idea what was going on. And then he comes over the ledge after hours of climbing. And there's just all these people up there taking pictures, like, super casual. And they had just hiked up there, super mellow hike, And he had just put his life on the line for hours and shows up to the top, like, shirtless and sweating. And, like, no one has any clue what he's been through. And it kind of made me think of that. It's not what he does is a thousand times crazier than what I just did. But it was just kind of funny, you know, when I stop in Malibu and I like looked up this really good burger place and I just show up in my biking stuff with my bike and I'm sitting out on the patio and there's all these people that are dressed nice, like going about their day. And I'm just like, these people have no clue about the fact that I just biked 350 miles here. And, Like what I, it's not like I went through anything crazy, but it's just interesting when you go through a life experience like that and then it's such a sharp contrast when you get dropped back into society and back into everyday life. And you just feel like a changed person because of it. And you're like, it's amazing. It's amazing the personal growth that happens through that adventure. And then when you return to the normal world, all of a sudden everything else, seems like watered down or seems like super easy like i can totally handle my job because of what i just did like if i know i can do that
0: then i can do anything well i mean there is a similarity between the two things because he's by himself on the wall and you're by yourself on like you didn't have a buddy going with you so you were by yourself on the bike and like you like that's a great way of putting it where you're sitting there and you're like these people have no idea they, nobody has shared in the experience that I just went through. It's like they're just carrying on up with life like normal.
1: Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny. And I don't know what I mean by that. I don't know if I mean that, you know, like, it's not like I want some sort of recognition for what I've just done, but it's just an interesting, it's just such a sharp contrast. And this is not at all comparable, but it made me think about when soldiers return from overseas or return from war and come back to everyday life. It really made me think about that. Because, A, I had a lot of time. I had 40 or 36 hours of solo bike time, so I had plenty of time to think about anything I wanted. But I was just like, man, I can't imagine what it's like to have been through a war related experience and then get dropped back in and that was one of the things I thought about a lot because as soon as I felt like my experience was so different or you know what I had been through quote-unquote was so different from what these people have ever experienced I was like it's nothing compared to what others have been through and it was just kind of an interesting perspective and it reminded me like that's what's so cool about podcasts is that you realize that everyone has a story and even people that just seem like people that I might assume are just living their everyday life and maybe have or haven't been through anything. You know, oftentimes we assume they haven't, you start talking to people and you're like, Holy cow, this person fought in Iraq or this person went through a horrible divorce and like did all these things or this person had a child pass away. And you're just like, there's just so much, two people and it kind of sucks that we gloss right over that and treat everybody like they've never been through
0: anything you make a really so much
1: we can learn
0: yes that right there like there's so much we can learn and you're right like i've talked to this is the 89th episode or 90th episode that i've done right now and you talk to like so many people and then you become like almost friends with them and you have conversations you get to know them and you're like everybody has a story and in they're interesting. Like you're just walking around and you, if you saw them passing by, you would just like walk right by them. Like it's just another human being. And you don't really think about all the cool things that people are doing and the activities they're in and the hobbies they're into and the way they make life so exciting and enjoyable. Um, with the different things that they, that they do and things that don't even pop in your head where you go, Oh, maybe I can do that. But really, and, and like, the whole purpose of having people on a podcast like this is to share the story with as many people as possible so they can go, you know what? I may not want a bike ride from San Francisco to San Diego, but if here's this like regular guy and he goes and he bike rides from that on a whim, maybe I can do what I've been thinking about doing and I should just pull that trigger and go for it.
1: Yeah. And like that is the parallel that I want to happen. And it's kind of funny... I feel like people would be very, very narrow-minded to look at that and be like, oh, well, I don't bike that much. And I'm like, that's not the point. It doesn't like, It's not about biking. It's about finding whatever that thing is that you've been eyeing or that you've been thinking about and just going for it. Especially if like, it would be silly of me to tell everyone to go do that bike ride. Like, the reality is I've put a lot of training time in on the bike in the last few years and i knew that i was capable of doing it but it still was a stretch goal for me because i've never done anything like that so like i think everybody has their own avenue or their own interest area of things where they have stretch goals like that where they're not sure if they can do them but something deep down inside of them is like you can go do that and that's kind of what i want to spark Is like hey it doesn't have to be biking or even exercise related but it might be like starting a business you know it's like go try it because I would hate really cool news quick aside my I'm gonna come back to this but my younger sister and brother-in-law are moving to Colorado in like five weeks I think and they've wanted to live in the mountains forever and I kept telling them I was like do not I do not want to come visit you guys in Dallas when you're 80 years old and you're like, well, we never made the move. I'm like, "That don't do that. Please don't do that. You know, and just thinking, like Gary Vaynerchuk always says, he has this line where he's like, you're going to die. It's like, keep that in your perspective. Like, don't keep putting things off. And essentially that's what I want people to see is, like, just take a leap and go for it and maybe you start something and it fails or you tried something and it doesn't work out, but it's so much better to have gone for it and to learn from it than to be a 100 years old sitting around like, well, I never actually tried that and the opportunity's gone.
0: Yeah, man, I could not agree more with you that, like too many people, and I mean, some people are happy just, and if that's the case, then that's totally cool, if they're happy, just yeah, in, like my my parents, they just like when they go on vacation, they sit on their front porch or they stay at home or they, you know, visit their their family that's right in the area. And that's it. Like, that's what they like to do. And, and I used to want to push them out so much, but they didn't want to go. They don't want that. And it, it's yeah. not in a sad way. Like they're happy and they're relaxed and that's their fun time. Right. And but for me, I'm just like chomping at the bit to go somewhere and see something and do something and just like experience something new you know like the bike ride is intriguing uh my brother philip he lost a lot of weight right and he doesn't want the weight to come back on so he ran a marathon then he was like man that sucks so bad i'm not a runner i didn't really train that much for it um you know what i'm gonna do sign up for a 50 miler to see if i can do that and he trained for three months and ran a 50 mile race he came down to college station ran it um, it was cool seeing him finish going across the finish line because he, like you know, and you could see it in him. As much as he hurt, as painful as it was to finish that, he won, hit his goal of finishing and not getting time time capped. But you could see that he had just done something that he never thought he could do, and that a lot of people haven't ever done. And then, like that was like the fulfilling thing, not the pain, not the running it was i just did something that not a lot of other people have taken the leap to do like it's scary and i conquered it and so like, it's. i think it's so important what you just said to to take those leaps and to go for things um to put yourself out there in a scary situation or like ah, i could never really live in colorado yeah you can there's houses there like there's jobs there you can go you can go and live there for a little bit and then you can come back
1: yeah, and it's, I guess, you know, I think about that, this whole piece related to exercise a lot, probably mostly because of my job, obviously, but, and I love training, but the idea of getting, like, training and improving and getting better at something, it's such a, uh, the word is escaping me right now, but it's, like, such an encouraging thing to see that, like, it's an amazing metaphor for life. So in training, especially in a physiology-based sport like cycling, you put in the work and you get better and you put in the work and you get better and you just get this. It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy type thing where you just know you're like, if I keep putting work in, I'll keep improving. And it doesn't mean I'm going to win a race or anything along those lines, but to see how much, power you have over your own life like that's what exercise does for me is it reminds me that I do have control I'm not in control of the whole world but I'm in control of myself and I can stress myself stress my body and then get better because of it and that is just like an amazing life lesson and if you can live your life like that and put yourself in these stressful or challenging or stretchable situations and then you get better because of it and you just keep doing that it's such a fulfilling life. Yeah. And I mean – That
0: the, is like what – Yeah, go ahead. No, well, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like that's part – the journey through that is is like a slow process too. Like a really – like you go in and you do the work, and then the next day you go in and do the work, and you don't really see the improvement. It's like – it's almost – if I had to – off the top of my head, it, it's like having raising kids, Right. You're around them all the time. Like you're around the kids all the time. So you don't really – like you don't see the growth increments the way somebody else will see them if they don't see them for a while and they come and see them. They're like, oh my gosh, your kid's grown up. And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess it is. And then you'll see a picture like of two years ago and you go, wow, look at how they've aged. That's like your fitness journey like you're talking about where people go on. There's – like you get so consumed with – you're used to how you look. It's your normal, and it's so incrementally slow. But then it's actually fast because in, what, two years? is isn't that long, right? But how no, much improving so can you do in two years? Like, it's incredible.
1: But it pays. It just, you know, it doesn't seem long to me because I know how long it takes. Does that makes sense? Like, I have... I feel like I have the right perspective because this is my profession, you know, and I understand that it's going to take a long time, but being able to celebrate tiny victories is, I think, critical of recognizing, you know, not just saying, I'm going to put my head down and grind, and then when I get this next job in five years, then I can celebrate. It's like, hey, every time I, you know, if it's work-related, every time I learn a new thing. Every time I get asked to present, every time I present to my staff, every time I finish a book, every time I finish a chapter of a book, it's like all these little steps are, are so fun because I know that they're building to something. And I think that having that understanding of the process and then being able to celebrate those little victories because you know where they're taking you, thats that just keeps me motivated. And it's like the more, it's almost like a checklist. The more things you can put the more steps you can put in your journey that you can check off, the more empowering it is, you know? Versus, like, just looking at this huge goal and seeing how daunting it is, like, that's terrifying, but if all I have to do is complete my workout as prescribed today, I can celebrate that every single day. And then all of a sudden, a year has passed, and two years have passed, and I'm like, wow, I've gotten so much better at whatever it is I'm trying to do because I've just
0: been focusing on what I can do today. That's such great advice. And putting myself in that position, you think about it, you, if you get wrapped up and train yourself to mentally celebrate those little victories every day and celebrate the fact that you worked out every day or that you pushed yourself or whatever it is, then you'll forget about this ultimate goal and comparing yourself with the top people. And you'll just keep going and you'll keep pushing and you'll keep doing those things. And then one day... You are going to be, you're going to be like leaps and bounds better. Like you're going to look back and go, man, I, look how far I've come.
1: It's amazing. It's it's like so fun, and it's funny. I mean, I signed up for this cross country mountain bike race series, and our first race was supposed to be a few days ago, oh. and it obviously got canceled. But I, you know, was talking to a friend about it, and I was like, honestly, I. You know, racing to me is the icing on the cake. I love the training. And if all of my races got canceled, I'd be a little bummed, but I wouldn't be that mad because I love the training. And then I have all these benchmarks, you know, related to you know, hill climbs or sprints or power numbers or all these little benchmarks, all these little wins that I'm chasing after and achieving. And then for me, all of a sudden, I'm going to look up, and I'll be at a race. And I'll be like, oh, sweet. Let's put it all together. But the race is just 2% of the fun. Like, 98% of it is this whole journey of seeing myself train and get better. And so it's like, who cares if, you're, if you don't ever compete? Or who cares? You know, part of me was like, I'm never going to be an elite World Cup mountain bike racer because I started when I was 20. Six years old, they're 27 years old. Like I started too late. And I honestly had this whole discussion with myself because I'm a crazy person. And I was like, do I even, like, what's the point of even pursuing this if I could never be a lead at it? And then I was like, who even cares? Like, the whole point of doing this is just seeing myself improve and having fun with it. And now and I was talking a, talking to a friend who was going to do this race that got canceled. And this friend was super bummed about it. And I got to talk to her about that and say, like, look, the race is just like, I mean, it is icing on the cake. I love the idea of putting everything together and working on everything in that whole process. And when you see it like that and you're not really stressed about the end goal, the end goal just seems to come on its own because you're not worried about it anymore. And it's amazing just being able to focus on the journey and enjoy that whole process.
0: Well, I mean, training, training for something like that and preparing and then being able to go to that competitive starting line and go, I have, I have trained my hardest and the best that I could and now it's time to test all this training.
1: There's definitely, yeah, there's definitely something to it and it's amazing to be able to execute in those moments. It's such a rewarding experience and I love that, but it's not lying. It's
0: not why I do this. Luckily, yeah, it's like like so, you said the ice, that's the icing. Like that's you you built the whole yeah. like you you mix the batter with the training. Like you're putting everything into it. This is the hard work. This is what it is. And then your reward is getting to see that finished product in action. And you're like, yeah, now let's go train some more.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is pretty funny, especially, yeah, especially with training. But because I mean part of it people could argue that training not training is not dangerous but the whole idea of how much is enough and I think people that aren't in athletics or aren't in sport might look at someone who's trying to get stronger and stronger and they're like to what you know what to what end like when are you gonna stop and it's not about some end product I guess and it's an interesting thing whenever you do get into it because you realize that I'm not training, I don't have this number in my head on my bike that I'm like, once I do that, then I'll be done. You know, it's just like I could do this for the rest of my life and it would be amazing and I would love that journey. And I think it's just, under you know, having the mentality and the understanding of why you're doing it and how it feeds into your life. I honestly think that's worth reflecting on for everybody. You know, I have journaled, I've sat around and been like, why do I like to ride my bike now and why do i want to race and why do i like the training and now that i get that for myself i feel so free to do whatever i want and to not worry when a race gets canceled because i get it now i get why it's important to me that's that's critical
0: yeah uh, that is super important and something that just like when hearing you tell the story and the things you're talking about like your philosophy the way you look at life it's really it can go in any like your bike ride from San Francisco to San Diego has so much more meaning to overall life than we really realize. And I just thought of it right now. But you rode that whole thing. You talked about Alex Honnold. You're by yourself. You the the point when you get down there to Muscle Beach and like you sit down in, in Malibu and you're getting a burger and nobody knows what you've done. You are by yourself. And you finished. There was nobody waiting for you there at the finish line to cheer you on. There was no prize at the end of it. You didn't win any money. Like this wasn't for you were all alone. Nobody knew what you just accomplished. Like when you went to that bike shop, nobody really knew and really did they care, right? This was something that you did no, for yourself. They did
1: not care.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I mean like, but how many people go through life and they're like, Oh, I just want the boss to see me. I just want them to see me like Doing this stuff so I can climb the ladder. Or something. And that's not bad, but cel- when you say celebrate the victories, like celebrate your own accomplishments and the success of what's greater than what, like going up the ladder. Or like apply that philosophy to life anyway. Like you're so pumped you just accomplished this. The rest of it and the accolades and the like the money, the finishing first, none of that mattered. None of that mattered at all.
1: Yeah. And uh, man, that's just, it's so important for people to recognize, I think. And it's, it's a huge perspective shift. If you are someone who is a people pleaser and you get to this point where you're like, why is no one recognizing what I'm doing? Why am I not being cheered on? And why is this not happening? Like it's a really exhausting way to live life. And it's, I have been in that position before and it's just really, it's hard. It's hard because you're doing things for other people and you're not, you're not even worried about or thinking about or considering what's in it. And they're not, not what's in it for me, but like, why am I doing it? You know? And when you can reach this point where it doesn't matter if anybody knows what you just did or it doesn't matter if no one else did it with you, like, it's just an amazing experience to be able to do on your own and to learn what you're capable of and to know that i can go do something like that for 5 days completely alone and just be inside my own head and be okay with that like people talk about writing for 2 or 3 hours without music or exercising without music and i'm like maybe it's good to dig around in your own head sometimes like maybe people don't do that because they're afraid of what they're going to find in their own head, you know, and I've had that conversation with people a lot of, you know, do you love yourself whenever you sit down? Like, right now, my roommate's been gone for five weeks and I'm completely alone in this condo, and in the evening, like, if I'm sitting down by myself and just really reflecting, like, am I happy with who I am? You know, and being able to not just live with yourself like that's such a terrible standard like being able to love yourself and be proud of yourself and high five yourself for your own accomplishments and be stoked about where you're at like building your life up around that kind of space is such a powerful thing because all of a sudden it doesn't matter what other people think because you are proud of who you are and proud of what you're doing and and that will just catapult you forward because it's not that other people's thoughts and opinions don't matter, but it's like if I know who I am, then if someone thinks something differently of me, like I want to seek to meet them in the middle and understand why they think that. But at the end of the day, if we don't see eye to eye, I know who I am and I know what I stand for. And I'm proud of what I've done and I'm proud of the work that I've put in. And that is just fulfilling in and of itself. And I don't need people to high five me or cheer me on or like it was almost cooler whenever i finished that ride to literally just ride up to this bike shop and draw my bike off and get in an uber to my friend's house and then we just hung out and it's like that was the end that you know because it wasn't about the end it wasn't about trying to get anywhere you know it was just like i wanted to see if i could do it and i did and it's an amazing thing
0: and the experience Like you said, you like the training. That experience means more than the like any sort of race or anything else would be. And like I, I'm picturing myself like that's like that's such an awesome thing to do, like the whole way. And next time, maybe you just camp the whole way. I mean, I don't want to push you into doing anything crazy, but that's (laughs) like it seems insane because you're. But then you know, people hike the Pacific Crest Trail. And, uh, uh-huh. uh, what's the other one? Why, why did it leave my brain? It always happens on podcast too when I'm trying to tell a story. Appalachian maybe? Yes. The Appalachian Trail. So, like, like there's that one. Like, it's a crazy hike where you're gone and how many people can take off work, but they do it and they finish that and there's nobody there going, congratulations, you finished that hike. It's like, no, this is something that gives you personally so much confidence because then you don't have to care. When somebody's telling you a story, you're like, yeah, but I hiked that trail. Like, it doesn't matter.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I have a few flats on the day. There's just so many metaphors, you know, for training and life. Like, I did have a few flats, and I made a number of wrong turns, and I got into, not dark head spaces, but I I got beat down, especially with the heavy headwinds and just being out there alone. And then you come out of it. And it just is a perfect picture of life. And it's like, hey, every you know, the thought that I've been having recently around everything that's going on in the world right now is just that this too shall pass. It's like this is just a small piece of what's going on in the world and a small piece of my life and a small piece of the Earth's life. And having being able to have the perspective keeps me calm and keeps me sane because I'm not that stressed about it because i know that we're going to get through it it might be a few more weeks it might be another year but it's going to be fine it's not the big of a deal it's just a flat on a five-day bike ride and you just change the flat and then you're going
0: to keep going see and you're mentioning you're like you're using the analogy of this bike ride to this and i was just about to ask you if you think that like and because it's my belief it is but like if you think these challenges that you put yourself through and these these things that you want to overcome, these stressors that, you, like these healthy stressors that you go through, they help you deal with situations like what we're dealing like in life right now.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Like I did this horrible interval workout this morning, and I actually posted on Instagram. And I was like, "It's time to suffer," and it's a good thing that I love it. Like I, it's gotten so the idea of suffering or of going through a challenge has been so closely married with progress in my brain that now I love suffering. Like I love doing these horrible interval workouts that make me feel like I'm going to puke and that I know are going to dip deep into my reserves and really ask a lot of me because I know what's on the other side of that, which is improvement and growth and learning and experience. And now I can't separate the two. Now I'm like, oh, that looks like a horrible thing to do. I really want to do it. So I'm kind of, is that masochism? Is that right? I think I'm kind of a crazy person now. But (laughs) it's amazing. Because you learn learn and grow so much every time you go through a difficult time. Or every time you go through a challenge. And so it's just exciting. Like an easy life is a boring life. And you don't get better at anything. You don't grow. and You don't learn it's not like i'm seeking out horrible experiences but anything that someone can throw at me that's going to push me and challenge me i am so excited about
0: do you find it like like things bleed over when you deal with the high level athletes that you do that like mentally physically the way you train like wanting to do like wanting to do these crazy adventures or is this just in like part of who you are
1: um it is part of who i am for sure but it does affect like what I was talking about earlier, it does reshape my normal. And so now I kind of have the mental capacity to push them in a different way because I know what our human bodies are capable of. And I think that if I didn't train this hard and I didn't understand how much the body can endure and improve from, I think it would change the way I train athletes. And I think that everybody... Again, I talk about redefining your own normal. Everyone does have their own normal, and so I can't push every single athlete in the same way, and I can't push every athlete in the way that I push myself, but I do have a better perspective of what we can handle. And Again, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier. I used to think a two-hour ride was a long ride, and now a two-hour ride is an easy ride. You know, and and nothing changed except my perspective and my my normal. And so it does have a big impact for me because I push my athletes really hard, but I know that they're capable of recovering and I am paying attention to them individually as people and to how they're adapting and handling the stressors. But all of a sudden my normal is so ridiculous that You know, if they look at something, they're like, ooh, I don't know if I can do this. I'm like, you definitely can. This is week one. I've got four more weeks of progression here. This is the easiest week. You got this, so it's going to be fine.
0: I love expanding my normal. I took a note of it when you said it the first time. It's like it really – I've never heard it before, and maybe it's something that's out there, but expanding your normal because make it your normal, like – eventually it will become your normal and you'll want to push for more, but like always search to expand your normal because that means you're learning and you're growing. Like I love that statement. I like, I'm, I literally took a note in my phone when you said it.
1: I love it. And it's funny because mathematically a norm is an average of a group of people. And so another thought that I've had around this whole idea is that it's Your normal is abnormal. Then you need to find a new group of friends, right? Or you need to like expand into a different group. You've outgrown your friend group, or you've outgrown your job, or you've outgrown whatever it is or whatever space of life you're in. If people start looking at you and be like, "That's super weird," like you're so far out there (laughs) now, you're like, "All right, well, I've kind of uh, outgrown you guys. I need to find something bigger and crazier." Hmm. Because when I talk about this Viking. To a normal person, trying to use the word normal, if I talk about this biking to um, like my family, they're like, "That's insane." But if I talk about this biking with professional cyclists that I know, they're like, "Oh yeah, I've done that before." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's cool." And they're like, "Yeah," and it's nothing. It's no big deal, and nothing. Again, nothing changed, but the perspective and the average of the people that you're with, right? And so it's it's kind of funny. It's
0: an interesting thought. It, it it is actually really interesting. When you said it, I laughed so hard because my entire life, um, it like the majority of everything that I do, normal work day, whatever, I am the weird guy. Like I like strange things, it's weird. I was involved in action sports, you know, from a kid, and that's where I was normal. I was normal in that set like I was just one of the guys, if you want to say, or one of the humans, whatever, however you want to put it, Yeah. but I was just part of the group, right? But outside of that, I'm kind of, it's like, you're kind of strange, and I go, I I had to realize, like, yeah, I guess I am kind of strange in this group, like, and that's okay, but that's not me, like, I'm here to do a job and a purpose, and I accomplish that, and I give you everything that I've got, but yeah, I am weird in this group of people, but I'm not weird in this group of people, and that's where I belong.
1: Yeah. And it's a cool opportunity. Like, when you are the weird one, you can use that as, as it, you know, you don't want to beat people over the head with it, but you can use that as a chance to show people how much potential they have. Very and true. it's kind of fun. Like it, I'm not saying you need to throw your friends away whenever you're the weird one or whenever you are the abnormal one now or the outlier, but it's fun. Now, like I love the idea of inspiring other people and driving other people to do crazy things. And that's kind of my biggest pitch. Like my Instagram bio of trying to create a climate where people do epic things and where they're empowered to do incredible things. Like that is my whole driving force of my whole life, you know, like from work, any job that I have or just from the way I live my life. Like that is what I'm after. And so it, being the abnormal one is a sweet opportunity, especially when you can frame it in the right way and people don't think you're completely crazy. You can kind of <laughs> meet them in the middle somewhere. Yeah. You know, They can learn. We can all learn a lot from one another in that regard.
0: Very true, man. You know what you need to do on your next, whatever your next adventure is? Because you have such an awesome message. Like, I dig it. It's super inspiring. I can see why you have succeeded being a trainer and a coach and all that good stuff. But like, what you need to do on your next one is videotape and document and save and talk and then have it all video edited. You do it yourself, whatever, however long as it takes, and then put it up on YouTube and just share that story with everybody. Because I think that would be so cool. Like if you had, I don't know if you did it or not, but if you had footage of that whole trip, like your whole trip and you talking and the emotions of like the wind being in your face and your thoughts and then overcoming it like, whoo okay, here I am. Oh, I'm at, you know, I'm at Malibu and just everything and then dropping the bike off. What a crazy cool story that would be to watch because all of a sudden I'm watching you go through struggle, strife. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Um, you're vulnerable and then your strength and you persevere and at the end you succeed. And that's like, that's a crazy cool story.
1: <laughs> I guess I have to go do it again, huh?
0: Yeah. Go do you... it again next week. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're we're all like, uh, are you doing anything right now with the teams? since it's like uh, the way it is with all this crazy stuff, having to self-isolate and all that?
1: Nothing in person, but I think, unfortunately I am busy enough that I can't go do it again right now, but I
0: have other adventures planned. It'll happen. Oh, I'm sure that's a. It doesn't have to be the bike ride, but man, how cool! Like to document it. I mean, I don't know if you're that. You got to be that type of person to do it. But I know, like, I would have a blast. I would be part of the journey and part of the fun is to be like sharing my thoughts and being vulnerable because obviously this podcast and I get to be vulnerable all the time with it. So, um, but man, I would love. I would in, really enjoy watching that.
1: Challenge accepted. All right. right. Yes. Next, yes. Next
0: adventure. All right, Mike, thank you so much for being on and sharing this story. This was just fantastic, dude. I had a blast. Uh, I'm going to expand my normal from now on, especially after. I
1: love it. <laughs> I have to thank hear that. you for the opportunity.
0: Um, let everybody know where they can find you and um, like on your social media stuff. I don't know if you want to blast anything out. Um, you can. If you don't want to, that's fine. doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, um, Instagram is where I'm most active socially. It's just at Mike underscore Bing underscore because somebody else took Mike Bing and all the other versions of that. So just at Mike underscore Bing underscore. And that's pretty much where I spend most of my, I have a Twitter, but I'm not as socially active there. So that's pretty much where I live.
0: Yep, and they okay, so everybody can go there and follow you on your next adventure. You're crazy, whatever you decide to do to overcome, and just be inspired. Mike, thanks again for being on, man.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. Don't forget, tag, rate, review, like, social media, local businesses, brands, and people that you believe in. And until the next episode, see ya.